let's try and get through this as fast as possible. A very thin man goes into a car dealership and is looking at cars. The salesman asks the very thin man what type of car he's looking for. The thin man, whose face is very gaunt, asks about a mid-sized sedan and has received high praise for safety. The salesman rattles off all the specs of the car and the thin man asks, No! No! Wait for me! You don't understand. I have the Bassano vase. You have no idea the power this wields. And once I combine it with the Archimedes mirror, you will never be able to finish this joke. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cracking Cryptids and Curios. This is Matt, once again, joined by the co-host with the co-most, Angel. Before we begin this episode, Angel, I wanted to ask you really quickly, as this was news to me, but apparently the musical Hamilton is your all-time favorite. And this has greatly inspired one of your newest hobbies. So because of your absolutely obscene competitive spirit in an attempt to outdo Lin-Manuel Miranda at his own game, you are prepping your very own musical based on a historical figure the general public of today, you know, never really cared about at all. That of Cipriano Andrade. Born in Mexico in 1840, he served in both the Civil War and Spanish-American War and retired after 40 years in the United States Navy with the rank of Rear Admiral. How did this little passion project come up, and how do you think it will compare to Hamilton? I'll answer those questions in reverse. I think it's going to be a smash hit. I think people are going to say, Hamil who? (laughs) Once they hear this. And as for the first question, I touched upon this a little bit a while ago, but the reason the, the, the idea came up from the fact that I am, uh, his uh, his ghost actually inhabits my body, and uh, mm-hmm. and there, uh, Andrew Jackson's ghost and 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 his are vying for my soul right now. But he was the original, the OG to take over my body, and just got inspired. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like he's writing his own musical. In, yeah, he's in a, some aspects. He's a very uh, vain person. Uh, a, a truly bizarre story surrounding Cipriano Andrade. A very interesting guy to look into. And some some people suggest that there were like several journals or like diaries that he left in Central Florida that like led to this idea that he like killed his wife and like and her lover when he was coming back from a, a voyage overseas. Just um. A sad story for Cipriano. Yeah, quite sad. But once uh, once this comes out, everyone's going to know it, the story. Mm-hmm. So. I, I did hear one of your rough drafts, I guess you could call it, of one of your major songs that's going to be in it. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of, I thought it was really interesting because you were sort of, um, I guess, showing the, the aging of Cipriano, his like coming into manhood. And you sort of framed it like in the movie Hook, the character... Uh, Rufio 
and how he introduces himself all the time. It's like, oh, the, the, the lost boys call him like, Rue, Fee, oh. And then in this one, you sort of introduce all the, um, the his sailor mates. They go, Cipriano. So I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, total ripoff from Hook. I don't think anyone's going to notice. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, rest in peace, the actor that played Rufio. But he was Rufio's gr- dead. Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> and let us never speak of this again. So well, that would have been, would have been perfect if so he could have played yeah, Cipriano, though. De- definitely a, a tribute to him, to the actor. I'm just trying to <laughs> confirm that it is him <laughs> that died. Oh, no. You're spreading rumors that Rufio's dead. It must, it must have been the Mandela effect because I remember finding out he died. And I guess he's not dead. So so now <laughs> is his time to shine with this role. To, yes. You know, yes. Um, show, you, show you that he's not dead. Yeah. His comeback, mm-hmm. as, you, mm-hmm. as you will. It'll be the, he'll be the, uh, the new Brandon Fraser. His comeback's going right now. It's going to be that dude's yep. in, in like 30 years when you're done with this script. His name is Dante. So so we get his name out there. Dante mm-hmm. Bosco. Well, good luck to him. Good luck <laughs> to you. Good luck to Cipriano Andrade and his amazing story. Hopefully his spirit leaves your body one day. <laughs> and with that being said, how about some interesting articles that were in the news recently? This one... It's a it's a Florida story, Angel. So watch out because Whoa. the feral pigs they're coming after you. This is from the city of Lakewood Ranch, Florida. It goes on to say, wild pigs are nothing new in Lakewood Ranch. People who live in the area are used to seeing them in, in their neighborhoods and even holding up traffic while crossing busy Lakewood Ranch Boulevard. Kathleen Grant has lived in the area for 15 years and says the pig population is growing as is the damage the animals are leaving behind. For some, the wild pigs have caused thousands of dollars in damages by tearing up landscaping and ripping up grass. Ooh. It says, we pay for the landscaping, so we want to minimize the damages and minimize the cost. But again, it is not just a cost issue. Of course, that is substantial, but it is also becoming a public safety issue, said Grant. There are a lot of little dogs and children in this community. As you can see, they are not fearful and become quite aggressive she continued ann ross in the is the executive director of the lakewood ranch interdistrict authority and has worked firsthand with several trapping companies to combat the invasive species she says the issue has proven to be a complicated one there are a number of us working on the issue it might not be very visible because along lakewood ranch boulevard you might see a herd of 30 or 40 pigs and feel that nobody is doing anything, said Ross. Everybody is trying to do their own part on their own properties, and it's just a big issue that comes and goes over time. We just haven't found the perfect way to take care of it, but the ways are available. All the solutions that are available are being utilized, she continued. Um, That goes on to a a statement from the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation, but then the article uh, picks up again with, Ross says Lakewood Ranch has looked into hunting, but found out it is not an option in the residential community. 
we did have the district attorney look at whether we could step it up and bring in hunters to take care of it or let the trappers use weaponry and and found utilizing a gun in a residential area like we have here is unlawful said ross there might be some ability to use bow and arrows or tranquilizers but because the pigs tend to be in areas where you might have people walking their dogs and you have a lot of interaction there is an inherent risk with that so doing the trapping is really the best solution we have found so far she continued and then it goes on further that county commissioner vanessa baugh lives in lakewood ranch and is well aware of the ongoing concerns and frustrations this is going to be an all out war that is going to <laughs> that is going to have to be done by all this is not just a county situation that we can handle on our own we just can't We've got property rights in the state. We just can't go onto other people's property, so it's a problem. It's a big problem, said Commissioner Baugh. There can't be one leader with this situation. It has got to be an all-out effort by everyone. The problem is, let's face it, the hogs really tear up the ground and landscaping, but even more so, it's getting to be that there are so many we are getting a little bit concerned about public safety, said Baugh. So Angel, she said it. It's going to be an all-out war. What are your thoughts? That's a dog whistle if I ever heard one. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, clearly alerting all the others that this is happening. No, not that many people are making the connections. I see a lot of these articles. They, they pop up, you know, feral pigs in Texas, feral pigs in Florida. And people are just like, oh, you know, it's just a typical thing. But if you put it all together they're all their populations are all growing at the same rate because it's part of phase two of their plan <laughs> of the the pig peoples yep mm -hmm. it's happening it's <laughs> happening right before our eyes angel <laughs> i I'm, can't believe I'm, it i'm neutral i'm sweden you know just well, I, I don't out know about that i've heard <laughs> you say some things about the semi-immortal pig peoples that and... wasn't me that was that was your that was your twin brother that used to co-host this show, right? <laughs> that was my past me. Oh. oh no! So what happened to your twin brother? Well, he got eaten by a pig person. <laughs> oh, no! So all the damning things he said about them. I think yeah. One of the craziest things in the article is that, like, you might see a herd of thirty or four or forty pigs. That would just be. My God, you're, you're like riding your bike. And they even has a, like a picture in the article about this <laughs> yeah. dude riding his bike. And there's these huge pigs Just running casually. on the sidewalk in front of him. Yep. What if one of those was a hogzilla, a, a big 600 pounder? It would, he'd have no no way to get away on his bike. It would, it would tackle him. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty brutal out there, man. You got to gear up. Start hunting the pigs. Well, but they can't. They can't bring. They can't use their guns. No, they gotta. They their gotta hands go. Are tied. They gotta go back. And start using spears. I think so. <laughs> we need to get like a blacksmith set up in Lakewood Ranch. Start <laughs> arming. Yeah, needs to forge uh, uh, swords that can only pierce the hide of a hog. Mm -hmm. But you know what he needs to provide first to show that he can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he needs to show us that he can smith, damn it. <laughs> so another article that we have, and that one actually was from, uh, not from 
unexplainedmysteries.com. That article was from WFLA.com, straight from Florida. So our next article is from unexplainedmysteries.com, and it is titled, Witness Recounts Winged Creature Encounter. So it goes on to say, Three people have been driving in northeastern Illinois when they saw a flying creature with human proportions. The encounter, which was recently featured in an article on the Singular 14 Society's website, occurred back in July 2008 and was submitted to the organization by one of three witnesses. The trio, a man named Ryan, his husband, and a mutual friend, had been driving home from O'Hare International Airport to Dubuque, Iowa, when they noticed something strange in the sky. I was looking off to the left and saw a winged creature fly above the crops on the left side and fly straight across the road several yards in front of us, Ryan wrote in an email. It disappeared over the field on the right side of the road. It had wingspan of several feet. I did not see what the body looked like. The other people in the car saw it but said it was just a large bat. It was much larger than a bat. The way it flew was more like a large bird, like an eagle, but it was gray and black. In a later telephone interview with investigator Tobias Wayland, he clarified that the sighting had taken place in a semi-rural area somewhere to the south of Wisconsin. It was about human-sized, maybe smaller than six feet, he said of the creature. The wings were maybe the length of a human's arms, but a bit wider, maybe five to six feet. I saw a body shape, like a human-type shape, human proportions, basically. Then the wings were the main things I saw. I couldn't believe it. I've never seen wings on something flying that big. So what do you think, Angel? Is it the Mothman back in 2008 flying around in Illinois? I think that might have been around the time when I did um, the, the Mothman's World Tour part of that episode. Of I think that was around the time that there were all those sightings in Chicago, too. Mm-hmm. You know, the first thing that the the thing that bothers me is is the eyewitness making the claim that no way uh, there's no f- bat that big. I'm pretty sure there are. <laughs> there is the uh giant golden crowned flying fox is the world's largest bat. Um they're fruit bats, but they are big. I don't know if you've seen pictures of these things, but they're no. hum- humongous. And I think they're common in, in in Thailand, or at least Southeast Asia. Now, what it would be doing here in the States is not for me to speculate, but I'm just it's saying a, a, lot of, a lot of people own exotic animals here, so I wouldn't put it past them that it is a bat. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's I don't think it's a Mothman. I don't know. The first thing that popped in my head, Angel, I've done... A lot of driving around <laughs> southern Wisconsin, northern Illinois, there are a absolute insane amount of sandhill cranes <laughs> in the area flying around several feet just off the road. They're everywhere. And I know we <laughs> we crap on the Mothman a lot in this in the show, but they're in the right place to see all those sandhill cranes. Yeah. I mean, it could be a sandhill crane as well, but again, not a mothman. Oh, or, <laughs> or has come back finally in the shape of the sandhill crane. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I guess my other question is if this is a mothman sighting, what strange event is it precluding? Well, I don't know. It was back in 2008. So oh, hopefully God. that. The horrible shit already happened. 
<laughs> the article that I suppose doesn't speculate that the person that saw the, the entity never, I guess maybe followed, followed up that up. Yeah. there was some sort of horrible thing that happened in their life. Maybe they can't follow up because they've kicked the bucket. Oh no. <laughs> Are you spreading rumors like the Rufio guy again? <laughs> Listen up. Let me. I got an update on the Rufio guy. I found his Tumblr, and in October tenth of two thousand twelve, he. I guess he had an. Uh, he has a section for Ask Me Anything, and 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 somebody says people thought you were dead, and he says oh, no, it's like a thing that people thought. He says, yeah, they actually thought I was dead. Google it. I actually met people, and they told me they thought I passed away. Kind of a sad thought. So it wasn't just I- me. This was a thing. We might have to have an episode on Rufio guy trying to uh, investigate this. Uh huh. My God. <laughs> Any final things about possible Mothman sighting before we move on? Yeah, I'm think. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know what? It probably was a Mothman. Yeah. I'll, I'll give him this one. Yeah. I'll give him this one. I'm okay with doing that. With that being said, let's shift our focus. Over to the matter at hand today. Two curious items. That of the Bassano vase, or if you're feeling fancy, Angel, the Bassano vase. Mm -hmm. And the Archimedes mirror. Probably two items that couldn't be more different than each other, but maybe we'll find some obscure connection (laughs) that changes everything, like your Iceman's curse and Crystal (laughs) Skull's theory, Angel. We'll find out. So in preparation for this episode, I have contacted someone to do a cleansing of our auras because we are going knee deep into the world of curses yet again believe it or not if there is a weird item in history there's a good chance that there are claims that that shit is cursed and if it's cursed we are seemingly covering the item this season damn it it's our burden to bear our own self-imposed curse of sorts except for of course curse phone numbers because i hate that shit (laughs) as you know angel i spent the show's money on that iraqi airboat that nice geely suit the refrigerator box that you got put in so i needed to find a wallet friendly service to perform this cleansing i already got my cleansing from some lady i found on craigslist she referred to herself as mama blackheart she told me to drink this cocktail of sorts that she made lit some sage she started chanting it was kind of nice i think though i must have passed out as I don't remember the finishing of it. But when I awoke, she was gone. And I, I sort of have this scar on my stomach, which makes me think that she got all the curses out. So it seems like a plus. Do you want me to hook you up with Mama Blackheart? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I can't. I don't feel like anything negative happened. The curses, I'm curse-free, I think. I could, I could always uh, take a curse-free <laughs> cleansing. <laughs> I, one thing I have noticed though is I like have to pee a lot more. So it's probably not related. I don't think so. So, <laughs> Mama Blackheart, five stars. <laughs> one thing I do know, Angel, that will never trick me and possibly steal any vital organs. Cotton Eye Joe's razor, the axiom that states, for something to come from somewhere, it must therefore go somewhere. So where the heck did the Bassano vase come from? To get in the right mindset for the Bassano vase, I think we need some props from that Iceman's Curse episode. Our old detective hats. Get ready, Detective Angel, as we have yet another crime scene to investigate. The crime scene? A small village 
outside of Napoli, Italy. At the time, the 1400s. The victim, a bride-to-be on the eve of her wedding. So, Detective Angel, you walk into the crime scene, a bedroom. A woman wearing her wedding dress, seemingly trying it on once more in anticipation of her big wedding day, lays dead before you. The room is ravaged, evidence of some sort of scuffle. The curtains have been torn off the rod and been used to strangle the woman. Blood is on the sheets and floor, but no signs point to it being from the victim. A note is on the dresser stating how the woman is making the worst decision of her life and that she should be marrying someone else. Finally, in a coat pocket, you find a letter addressed to the bride saying that she is not good enough for her son and she will not have someone of her kind marrying her only son. With that being said, we have three suspects. The would-be husband, a former flame also in love with the bride, and a future mother-in-law who saw the bride as being too low in the social class to marry her son. Who do you think did it, Detective Angel? Wait, did you say the would-be husband is a suspect? Yep, the husband is a suspect too. (laughs) But why? (laughs) It killed his fiance. He didn't want to marry her anymore. Maybe some sort of scuffle? I don't know. You're the detective. Figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, but you just... you. You said the would-be husband who was madly in love with her? Oh, no. There's a there's another man that's madly in oh, love with her. Oh, another man that was... The former flame. Oh, oh okay. He, okay, he okay. left a note saying that she shouldn't be marrying the person she's marrying. It should be him. So I'm looking around the room mm-hmm. and trying to piece together the evidence that I find. And I'm sure to find some, some object that, that killed her, no? Yes, it was the curtains. He, the the murderer killed her with the curtains, torn off the uh, curtain rod, still around her neck even. So I don't know how you missed that, Detective Angel. <laughs> are are you like Mr. Magoo? <laughs> listen, listen. I've developed a theory already. The curtain, the the none of the suspects are are the ones that did it. It was clearly. A fourth person who didn't know there was a wedding happening. He just wanted to to kill a woman. <laughs> just a, some serial killer. Just oh, that's sad. It was just like a a random killing. Yep, that makes me even sadder than it, the three suspects. <laughs> well, it's not sad because it's happy? no, it's it's not <laughs> it's not a random killing. See the oh, man. Okay. When he went into the window, he knew who the woman was. How? And therefore had to kill her. Was he doing a good thing by killing her then? In his mind, yes. See, he had a dream that morning that he was going to encounter a woman who would uh, ruin many lives because of something. And he says, I must put a stop to it, but I don't know how. And he's looking for every building that looked kind of like the building that was in his dream. And he happened to find the right one. And he says, this is, this is it. My, my ticket to fame, saving the world from destruction. Whoever's in there, I got to kill them. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, Detective Angel, give me your goddamn badge. You're off the force. (laughs) You see... The murderer was hiding in plain sight the whole time. It was even in the bedroom with you the entire time. 
it was the nearly 20-inch-long vase made of silver that killed the woman. It was the Bassano vase. Dun, dun, dun. See, what you don't understand is the man that had that dream didn't realize that the thing that he saw in his dream was supposed to be the vase, but he mistook it and thought it was the woman. Nope. It was the actual <laughs> vase. It wasn't the man. There was no <laughs> fourth suspect. It was the vase that did it. I think my version is better than a goddamn vase. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll have that theory a little bit more spanned out in, later in the episode. <laughs> so this is where the whole story of the vase begins really none of that that is not part of the lore at all that was all just made up <laughs> well it is it's canon now <laughs> it's canon now yep damn it in the 15th century this woman who was on the eve of one of her biggest days of her life was murdered according to author jw ocker in the book cursed objects strange but true stories of the world's most infamous items the bride was murdered before the ceremony, but by whom, the story doesn't say. Her untimely death is sometimes ascribed to the cursed vase, and sometimes it's said that she cursed the vase as she died. Either way, the result is a cursed vase, the author concludes. What do you make of this, Angel? This is just ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> first of all, it, this is the same thing as we talked about before in other cursed items. Is Why is this item cursed to begin with? <laughs> And why are we giving it to this woman? Like, what does she do? I guess that's part of the the argument there of that in her, like, maybe dying breath, she cursed the vase. I don't know. So, so, so the vase somehow caused her death, but it wasn't cursed until she died? Yeah. Either she created the curse or it was already cursed and that's what brought her death upon her on the night before her wedding so many more questions <laughs> i know <laughs> i don't know i don't know <laughs> uh, it, i guess of those two options is there one that you like more either it was already cursed prior to that murder maybe causing the murder to occur whatever this curse is or as she was being murdered she cursed the item i'll tell you right now because this is going to fit in later I like the theory where it was already cursed. It was already cursed. So yeah. she had nothing to do with it. Yep. She was just possibly either the first or one of many victims of the vase's curse. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm more on that side of it, that it was already cursed, that she did not instill the curse into the vase. But I have and always will have issues with the idea where people put curses on an object as they are being killed or dying. So presumably... The woman's being killed. Her eyes dart across the room as life is being snuffed from her body. Finally, her eyes fall upon a silver vase, and she's like, oh, yeah, this'll do. And then she curses the vase. Like, not the person killing her, not anything else. I just don't get it. So let me ask you this. If there was one object that you could curse as you're being murdered, what would it be? It would be my computer mouse. <laughs> Just the mouse, not the rest of the computer? Uh, yeah, I mean, why would I curse the computer? Come on. Come on, man. <laughs> What'd your mouse do? Oh, it knows what it did. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to sit in the corner. <laughs> I think, for me, in the spirit of the Bassano vase, I would curse my couch. Why is that? Because, if you think about it, 
Couches get passed down a lot from family member to family member, or they get brought to goodwill because they can be a real pain in the ass to just throw away properly. So my cursed couch goes to Goodwill or some other secondhand store. Some random bloke buys it, brings it home, and starts being afflicted by my curse. No one is going to suspect my couch is cursed. Then they die, the couch gets passed back to Goodwill, and lives on to kill other people who buy my couch secondhand. And all these like things of being cursed, people always suspect little trinkets or items or things that like look odd or scary never a freaking couch you know i <laughs> the thing i find about curses is that they all end in death why can't we just make them mildly annoying like yeah. you get this item and then suddenly you have an itch that you can't reach and you can never scratch it and you can't figure out why this is happening <laughs> until you get rid well, of that, that item be... by accident and then that the could be my cursed gone. couch you sit on my cursed couch, you get itchy. You get itchy. Exactly. You scratch so much, you bleed to death. Oh, no. Uh-huh. And then, then my cursed couch had, like, bed bug eggs in it, too. So now I got bed bugs. So, it has all the things. It had spider eggs. It just gets worse and worse. And you're like, God damn it. I sent you one of those STD jars, and it just fell on there by accident. No. Now my, now my couch has chlamydia, too. <laughs> Another thing about this, do you ever think of doing a preemptive curse? Like anticipating that one day someone's going to murder you or wrong you, so you curse an item just in case? Or is that just me? <laughs> well, what I do is I, I, I like to um, set a time bomb curse. Where, where that? The, where the item isn't cursed until after a certain event occurs. So, it's like, so, a, like a dead man switch sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> like it activates and then it's just cursed and I don't need to be present for it to happen. <laughs> Dang. I never thought of that. That's a good way to curse. Because you're you're long gone. So yep. no one suspects you for dropping off the cursed item. Exactly. And, and somebody could have the item and it won't be cursed at that time. So they don't suspect anything. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So many different things you can do with curses. <laughs> Back to the Bassano vase and not my totally cursed couch. The vase was passed down from family member to family member for years. So possibly, maybe, if it was the woman, the bride, that had cursed the item, say if the uh, if she knew the murderer or the murderer was a family member who like coveted this silver vase, that the item was going to go into the possession of the murderer, but she cursed it to get back at them. Would you like that possibility of more than just like cursing a random object that maybe she had planned that if she was getting killed like she cursed this item because she knew her murderer was going to be in possession of it i feel like this is getting very convoluted like i know right like how it's like you're starting to plan ahead oh i know this object is the thing that they will use so i'm gonna curse it i don't know that seems like a bit uh officer pete to me <laughs> i mean sometimes you gotta be like 20 steps ahead of other people <laughs> it's the 1400s you never know someone's gonna kill you i mean i mean were they really that smart back then anyways i mean weren't aliens giving people no, civilization <laughs> maybe they cursed the vase damn <laughs> so the the final option i suppose is that the vase was already cursed like we were talking earlier when it came into the possession of the pride to be so however 
there is no strong evidence to put one theory over the other as they end up, I guess, being just equally plausible because, as we'll find out, there isn't much more story to this to, I guess, prove evidence either way. So, that being the first recording of the vase's killing capabilities, let's take a look at where the vase has gone. With the death of the bride-to-be, the vase was passed on from family member to family member, doing whatever a cursed vase needs to do to keep on killing people who own it. Eventually, the family was like, screw this, we gotta bury it. And they buried it. And for some 500 years, the Bassano vase lay dormant, just waiting to be uncovered and commence the killing. I think, Angel, it's almost like the one ring waiting to be found by Smeagol, and then all hell breaks loose. So... Was the vase found, or did it want to be found, Angel? I think it was emitting some kind of electromagnetic radio waves. So it was like alerting people to its presence, like yeah. uh, trying to push them towards it. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. how those, there's some people that they're like, the Wi-Fi is entering my, my brain, and they're like feeling it. They were mm-hmm. just like that. They were detecting something in that area, and they're like, what's happening here? And then dug it up. I just had the thought too of Akbar and Jehoshaphat. They helped the Crystal Skull Lady. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they could have been involved with uncovering the vase. Maybe, Maybe. we'll find out. Maybe. <laughs> just like the Roman dodecahedron, some dude was just digging in the ground and found a, the vase in his yard. So on one side of these two items, we got a, some guy playing in his garden, and he finds a twelve-sided metal object, and is like, "Cool." Romans used to live here, and that was sort of like the end of that guy's <laughs> story. This other guy, though, in 1988, digs around and finds a silver vase, and according to the book Evil Archaeology, Demons, Possessions, and Sinister Relics by Heather Lynn, and a badass name for a book, Evil Archaeology, <laughs> the vase also had a small note with it. So written on the note was, Beware, this vase brings death. So, seemingly not wanting to have death be brought upon him, the guy does what anyone would do with the silver vase they found in the ground with an insidious note. He discards the warning and sells the vase at an auction. (laughs) So I have to ask, Angel, you find a vase in your yard with a note from the 1400s warning you of death. What do you do? Okay, first of all, the first guy that dug it up, he was like, oh, cool. And then what? He just put it back in the ground to be found again by somebody else? That was the Roman dodecahedron guy. He was like, oh, okay. When he found the Roman dodecahedron in his garden, he was like, oh, that's neat. Romans used to live here. Oh, okay. I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just so, comparing the finding of these two objects to one another. They're all being dug up. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe they're connected. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so, so, so this is what happens. I dig up my yard i find a vase with a note on it of course i'm gonna be like <laughs> beware this vase brings death i mean I, not even the logistics makes sense because what is the note written on paper because if it was buried in dirt written on paper that paper should not be legible it shouldn't even be intact i don't understand it <laughs> maybe the vase had a cork in the top <laughs> <laughs> so the paper was inside the vase yep oh my god so and then, and then the other thing is, this guy said, uh, "said screw this," and sold it anyway. Yep, he but, needed to make but, a buck. But, Come on. But did anything happen to him? No. 
Exactly. So why would it bring death and then it didn't bring him any death? Like, how did the vase know not to kill him if if he was if he blatantly ignored the the notes <laughs> the notes message? I I don't know. We'll we'll have to look into that. Maybe <laughs> let's go through a few more steps. See if there's more evidence that supports these things as to you know why the heck didn't this guy die? At this auction that the vase uncoverer sent it to, the unlucky purchaser at the auction is apparently a pharmacist who buys the item and then promptly dies within three months of obtaining the vase. A doctor purchases it next, and guess what happens next, Angel? He dies. He dead. (laughs) The list of dead people continues on for years until finally it falls into the hands of someone that's like, what's going on here? He figures it out that the vase is cursed. And then the unbelievable happens following that, Angel. And I have to say this as I think I was on board with the whole story so far. Sort of suspended my disbelief up until this part. (laughs) And then I was like, nah, I'm out. (laughs) So there are two variations of what happens next. The owner is like, screw this curse shit and tosses it out their window it just so happens though and maybe this was just the vase getting a last f you to the guy a police officer is walking by witnesses the tossing of the vase and he's like not on my watch dude so either the officer tickets the owner for littering or was struck with the vase in the head and tickets the owner for disorderly conduct both of those stories are represented in lore so how about that well Again, let, let's go back a bit. The, how does this man figure out, quote unquote, <laughs> figure out that the thing is cursed and with nobody dying? <laughs> uh-huh. I think I think like in the background not being talked about in the story is like there must be some sort of hubbub in the community about like all these pe- <laughs> auction, people whispering. dying. <laughs> like the all these the people face. at the auction is the auction house cursed like why all these people well, are going to well, the auction house so, dying? Uh, so the thing is i noticed something is that you mentioned the, the guy that sold found the vase dug it up and sold it every mention uh of people dying uh died when they exchanged money for the vase mm-hmm. and there's no mention of exchanging money for this last dude I'm wondering that maybe the reason people are dying is because they're exchanging money for the thing. So, like the the vase, like hates money. Yes, it's like anti-capitalist. It's... <laughs> <laughs> or it doesn't understand the value of money. The money, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> such a good movie. I was just thinking though, it killed the family members, so they weren't doing any sort of monetary transaction. They were just passing it down from family member to family member back in the 14 and 1500s and then they're like oh this shit's cursed we got to bury it maybe the 1400s details got lost yeah maybe italian family passing down laws required you to pay something to (laughs) receive it like a nod or something (laughs) acknowledgement you have to acknowledge this (laughs) transaction oh no the vase is on a whole nother level some weird stuff and and then this is where it gets even weirder from what i researched the guy that tossed the vase out the window he's like i'll pay whatever fine you want but i ain't taking that shit back you keep it 
So supposedly the police officer keeps the vase and then is after maybe a while is like, what the hell am I going to do with this vase? And then tries to give it to a museum. But (laughs) reportedly no museum wants it because it's supposedly cursed or the museum just can't ascertain its value. From what I sort of read from that is that the, so the police officer from some reason, like just doesn't throw it away. I don't know why he cares about this vase at all. It's got a he, hold on. He him. tries to <laughs> he tries to pawn it off to like a museum. They don't want it, and I think at this point maybe the community has known about the vase for whatever reason that it is cursed. Uh, there's no other reasonable idea as to like why I guess the museums wouldn't take it. To, I mean, yeah. That's a silver vase, <laughs> sell it or something. I don't know, but then they'd be cursed. I don't know what. It's weird. It's just weird. <laughs> you know what the the police end up doing though, Angel what they bury that thing like a dog <laughs> with a bone it just has to happen in the same guy's yard <laughs> <laughs> somewhere else an unknown location oh. but they went all out they put the vase in a lead case presumably so the curse couldn't affect anyone else so they were looking out for the community and you know what i learned from all this what's that that your cursed object store just needs lead lined walls and you'll be just fine yep <laughs> That's exactly right. Why did the at any at some point did the cop learn the vase was cursed? I mean, he didn't seem to think of it, and then now they're yeah. wrapping it in boxes. It's like, oh no! Unless like people at the police station, officers just started dying, the, and then the... they're like, it's all happening because we have the vase. <laughs> but they never exchange money for it, or maybe <laughs> maybe they did. If you count the uh, the 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 tariff that the guy paid and he said Mm -hmm. no you keep it (laughs) yeah maybe the the fine Mm -hmm. instead of paying the fine he's like you know what i'll take this silver vase and we'll accept that as payment and the vase was like oh i gotcha it's like a genie trying to like screw people (laughs) over with a wish yeah so before we jump into the rubric of power collector's edition is there (laughs) anything that you wanted to bring to the table before we put a nice arrangement of flowers in the vase and rank it yeah the Bassano vase does not, the story does not sit well with me. Mainly because it's near impossible to search for the origin of the story itself. Everywhere you search on the internet, it it talks about the, the same story you mentioned. And in the 15th century, the, the bride dies. And everyone just repeats that same story. And... Not only that, but then the Bassano vase only shows up on just a bunch of top 10 cursed items that really exist list. They emphasize that really exist part, but there's no evidence that shows this thing actually exists. We don't have any images of it. Supposedly there's one picture of it, but it's like from a, was it a Danish? a Croatian Cro- newspaper. Croatian newspaper. Uh, it's just a picture of a vase. It could be anything, really. Um, <laughs> it doesn't... Like, to me, I could have easily made this story up back in 2010 and said that this has been around for ages. And people would have run with it. Like, I don't know how to search for the first appearance of this Bassano vase thing. I don't know if this existed before the internet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, and I tried. I tried searching for a long time of just trying to find like look through several books of like items, like cursed items books, and none of them like even approach the subject of like where the story came from. And yeah. that's with so many cursed items too. No one like in those books, no one ever looks at like where did it come from? Where why is this a story? It's just like taking it at face value that it is a real object and it just is <laughs> so infuriating. <laughs> yeah, and it was also interesting is that Wikipedia has entries for the crying boy paintings the crystal skulls, and even the Dropa stones, which clearly don't exist. And yet, there's no entry for the Bassano vase. It's completely devoid of it. So I've developed this theory. It's a small theory, and I'm not going to expand on it. My theory is that the story, the story, not the Bassano vase, but the story of the Bassano vase has always existed, creating what appears to be paradox of time but in fact is very much in line with current time loop theory that is it yeah i like it <laughs> i think that answers it i'm on board with the time loop theory <laughs> so how about the lore of the bassano vase what do you rank it at i mean i don't know i gave it a one i just didn't it was not compelling mm -hmm. i mean i made more stuff up about it just trying to make a funny detective angel segment that <laughs> is more loreful than the actual lore of this object yeah apparently the croatian article that may be the origins of the basano vase it's just a newspaper clipping and underneath the picture it translates out to basano a vase with the power of death <laughs> but but that's also just taking into like that at face value as well that that's what it says because yeah. I can't read it. It's so like the image is so artifacty and so rescanned and resaved and reuploaded and reprinted and rescanned. Like it, it doesn't look like a vase. It just looks like a black blob. Yeah. And so I don't know. That article may be the origins, but no one really knows. And I definitely wasn't able to track down any source, but I did find a, a funny uh, quote in the Cursed Objects book that um, basically says exactly what you said. The author states, Little evidence of the case can be found unless you count the dozens upon dozens of breathless blog posts and Cursed <laughs> Objects listicles. <laughs> I don't know. The whole, <laughs> the whole introduction of the police officer was just too much for me. That was just like, no, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> the dude just tosses the vase out the window. What the hell? I hate I, it. I gave it a one. <laughs> I think we should maybe look at it from a different angle and maybe add to the lore. Maybe continue this chain and just saying, <laughs> oh, somebody found it after these so many years being dug up. And now it's sitting in a hotel, undisclosed oh, hotel. <laughs> It's going to be a haunted hotel. Yep, yep. <laughs> so how about the properties of the Bassano vase? I'm just going to come right come right out and say it. This thing got a four. No, it didn't. By four. Oh, my bad. That was the uh, total for the whole thing. <laughs> uh, properties. <laughs> stop. <laughs> properties. Uh, I, I, re the, I hate this thing, damn it. <laughs> one. I gave it a one. <laughs> 
there's no no properties about this thing. I mean, as a vase by itself, assuming that blob picture is the vase <laughs> itself, it's not it's not attractive at all. It's, it's like something you would ignore in passing. I there's nothing about the curse that I would care for. It's <laughs> nothing about it that's intriguing at all. I wrote down, we got a death vase, and that's pretty much it. But it's like a really slowly approaching death vase because you get like three months after buying it to just enjoy the vase, put some flowers in it, put it on some different tables, try it out, but then you die after that. So it's sort of like the slow version of the ring. So instead of seven days, you get three months until you die. And I don't know it's i hate it <laughs> one <laughs> how about the functionality and purpose of the asano vase <laughs> what can i say it's a vase <laughs> you use it for vase like things and also cursing people <laughs> maybe <laughs> depending <laughs> depending on the monetary transaction that occurred to get the item <laughs> although you mentioned uh in the properties you mentioned something that made me think twice about it you said that it's a slow killing and the story <laughs> it's like does your, it's like your time bomb curse <laughs> yep and the story the story says that the vase is made out of silver but since we don't really have any evidence of this thing what if it's not silver what if it's a metal that emits radiation and it's slowly it's radioactive? <laughs> oh no, it's the fallout vase. <laughs> anyway, functionality purpose is a one. Mm, I like the fallout vase more than the death curse. Yeah. Can we go back? <laughs> a redo on the Pisano vase? It's radioactive. <laughs> the functionality and purpose I wrote... To hold flowers and to murder people. <laughs> and I don't like that combo. I hate it. So I give it a one. <laughs> the craftsmanship of the vase. God, I mean, again, that one image doesn't do it any justice. Yeah. It's straight up one. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. doesn't even look well made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks like it's got cracks in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's a more like fuzzy image out there than this thing it just i hate it a one how about the desirability of the basano vase the desirability of this thing is how many baghdad batteries would you give to have one basano vase i would i would take more baghdad batteries to avoid getting this thing <laughs> it's like the game Catan. How many sheep are you willing to trade for it? Oh, I don't want to tr- make a trade right now. <laughs> I would rather own crying boy paintings. Not because they're cursed, <laughs> but because they're hideous. And they have some sort of functionality that they at least can't burn. <laughs> yes. I gave this one a zero. A zero. Oh. Rough. I mean, the police didn't even want it. They buried it in a lead coffin. <laughs> They hated it. I hate it. I gave it a one. I would rather go to the 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 garbage dump in I think it's Mexico or New Mexico, one of them, dig up the old Atari ET games. <laughs> you <have to> go <laughs> to the landfill <laughs> and get that instead of th- this thing. And it's like at this point, if it was real, just like melt it down. 
just use the silver for something else. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it, it's it's stupid. So what well, yours added up to a four? Yeah. Okay. And mine, I didn't dip down into the zeros. I wasn't I wasn't on the dropa level angry. I kept my <laughs> my blood pressure. It was level. I so I gave it a five. So the Rubrica Power Collector's Edition on the Bassano vase gives us a four and a half which I'm not sure where that might line up in the greater scheme of things. That is the lowest curio oh, we have. It's worse than the Dropa Stones? <laughs> yes. Damn. <laughs> did, did the Dropa Stones even have like a negative number? I can't remember. I, I'm sure you might have thrown some negatives uh-huh. in there. God. Good good for you, Pisano Vase. Just get the hell out of here. So any last words? <laughs> Before the Bassano vase remains in his lead coffin until some jackass uncovers it in another 500 years. Just uh, be wary of that radiation, folks. It mm-hmm. ain't pretty. I hope, I hope the police put another note on there inside the vase that says, <laughs> for real, it, <laughs> it brings death. <laughs> if you're reading this note, you're screwed. <laughs> Don't sell it. <laughs> so on to our next object here. This season, we have continually seen... The Romans attempt to verbally bludgeon the Greeks to death, constantly belittling them for their beliefs in certain things. This time, Angel, it's time for the Greeks to shine. Do they have what it takes to lace up their sandals, tighten the toga, and step up nose to nose with the Romans? Let's find out. This time, we are featuring a device reportedly created by the famed Grecian mathematician Archimedes. This third century BC scientist is considered by some academics, and you may have issue with this claim, Angel, as the greatest mathematician of ancient history. I mean, if you want to stick to Europe, sure. (laughs) Where where would you place Archimedes in your list of ancient mathematicians? Because I know you have one. Top, uh, top what? Top 10? Is he is he in your top ten? Nope. Is, or or like a reference back in like the early two thousands, he in your fave five, <laughs> like the the cell phone company. Archimedes is a name that has never slipped my slipped out of my mouth. The only time I talk about Archimedes is when I'm talking about the owl from the Sword in the Stone film. Uh-huh. <laughs> Damn, is he in your top five owls? Yes. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Something for Archimedes then. <laughs> as far as his mirror, also known as the Archimedes heat ray, it is reportedly a device designed by the mathematician to destroy Roman war boats. So you have not heard of this, right, Angel, prior to researching? Nope. Yeah. The only thing I do recall was an episode of Mythbusters where they tried to recreate it, and that was pretty much all that I had ever heard of it. This item is basically the large-scale war version of the kid with the magnifying glass burning ants. That's an old pastime of yours, right, Angel? <laughs> um, crickets, but yes. <laughs> oh, so that's where your nickname, the Cricket Killer, came from? <laughs> it's totally unrelated. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to know now. <laughs> Are you ready for a double dose of Cotton Eye Joe's razor? Yep. <laughs> oh god it was like your indiana jones voice came back <laughs> where did this mirror come from and where did it go to set this all up 
we got to get down and dirty with Archimedes and the Mediterranean powerhouses, Rome and Carthage. So those two superpowers, they hated each other, which led to the various Punic Wars. So during the Second Punic War, Archimedes was just chilling in retirement in the city of Syracuse on the island of Sicily. And at that time, the kingdom of Syracuse was pretty much just doing its own thing while the Romans controlled the rest of the island. So after a while, the Romans were, the Romans gonna Roman. They were like, eh, we just want the entire island kingdom of Syracuse. Start scooping out of here. After that, Marcus Marcellus, the ultimate Roman name in my book, he was tasked with taking Syracuse. So little did he know that Archimedes was in there working on his math problems and just enjoying old age. How this hasn't been made into a movie, Angel, I have no idea. So you just have like <laughs> some old curmudgeon actor, a Dennis Quaid, if you will, play Archimedes. So the camera focuses on him working on his spirals and spheres. Plaster falls from the ceiling from a Roman attack of some sort. And he stands up, grimaces, and says, I know the answer to this problem. Looks like someone's coming out of retirement. And it just writes itself. So what do you think? I'd watch that movie. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> And then Archimedes defends Syracuse. I mean, it's it's like the Alamo of uh, 200 BC. Yeah, we, we and the movie ends there because you don't want to see what happens afterwards. Uh, one last thing to my Alamo reference. So Dennis Quaid was also in that movie. He played Sam Houston. So now's his time to shine and uh, be Archimedes, I think. I think he's too busy being Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Oh, no, he's just being Dennis Quaid in a cowboy hat. So well, that's another podcast. <laughs> Cracking Dennis Quaid. <laughs> the siege of Syracuse lasts for two years, and the Romans aren't really making any ground. Both from land and by sea, they keep getting thwarted by Syracuse's famed defenses and Archimedes' defensive inventions, including what is also called the Archimedes' Claw. So this was basically a thing he invented that was like a crane game machine. Have you ever played one of those, Angel? Yes, I hate them. You hate them? Yes. Those well, claws are, are pur purposely made to be flimsy so they don't hold on to the object. I don't want to toot my own horn here, but <laughs> I am awesome at crane game machines. I, back in college, I went to a Kmart, one that had huge, like full-size, normal stuffed animals inside it, and it was 25 cents to play. I walked out of Kmart with 16 things <laughs> from that crane machine, and it was it was legendary. <laughs> it, was, it was the highlight of my college career. Do you still have those things? I have a lot of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were pretty cool. So this crane basically had a hook on it, and it would be lowered onto a ship and lift it out of the water, then drop it and sink it. Pretty badass, Archimedes. But beyond his claw... He's supposedly designed what is known as the Archimedes mirror, or heat ray. So most academics agree, rather than one mirror or reflective surface, it was probably multiple surfaces that could be used to target a ship, all used together in an attempt to set the boat aflame. One idea is that copper or bronze shields could be polished and then positioned in a way to reflect and focus the sunlight on the wooden Roman ships, causing them to catch on fire. What do you think of this method of defense, Angel? It sounds badass. I don't know, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, I, 
not knowing anything about this, it just sounds like if I was the enemy and I see lasers setting my ship on fire, I'd freak I out. I know, like, you can keep Syracuse, <laughs> Kingdom of Syracuse. Screw this. Yeah. Marcus Marcellus out and he just <laughs> goes away. Yep. Rene Descartes would disagree with you. The French philosopher and mathematician, he was basically like, yeah, that shit's stupid. It never happened. <laughs> so he, he did not like the Archimedes mirror at all. So this leads us into where did the mirror go? And things did not go so well for old Archimedes. As during the siege, the Romans learned of a festival that was going to be celebrated in honor of Artemis. The Romans took advantage and snuck in during the night and slowly started to take over layer after layer of the city. <laughs> Another eight months later, the Romans finally took over all of Syracuse. But Marcus Marcellus was like, damn, this Archimedes boy, he knows his defenses. He sort of wanted to co-opt him onto the Roman side. He ordered that Archimedes be taken into custody, but some Roman soldier must not have gotten that order. <laughs> As Archimedes was working on some math problems and was like, F off, dude, I'm doing math. The soldier pretty much said, screw this, and killed Archimedes with a sword. Another version tells that Archimedes decided to go with the soldier, but he wanted to take some of his math stuff with him. And the soldier confused the math instruments that he had for valuable items and killed him for them. So, <laughs> <laughs> supposedly, Archimedes had some last words for this soldier. But before I get to that, I wanted to ask you, Angel, what would your last words be? In this situation? In any situation. <laughs> My last words would definitely be three seven two nine get the buckle what was it three seven two nine three seven two nine get the buckle is that like just to confuse the person they, they need to figure <laughs> it out they need to know what the combination <laughs> opens oh it was a combination now i know yep <laughs> now i can kill you <laughs> <laughs> but you don't know what to wear yeah, not to watch yeah damn it <laughs> so i've thought about this and i think mine would be the mega curse I'm working on. Oh, so it would be it would be vague enough so it couldn't be fully understood in the moment. But then whoever caused me to utter my last words would think of these words as they're dying and be like, ah, oh, shit, I was cursed. So in 250 years, I could be in some podcast about cursed items and the story would be horribly misconstrued and yet just mysterious enough to be talked about. That's the legacy I want. Not bad, not bad. I thought of another set of last words I'd like to say. It would be something like, I'm Jif Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> no, you're Jimmy Hoffa. Yep. Gone. <laughs> he wasn't buried under the baseball stadium after all. It was Angel the whole time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you look good for like a 90-year-old man or however old you would be by now. Uh, Archimedes. His final words were, do not disturb my circles. So that man loved his math. What a, what a fool. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets stabbed in the stomach. Ugh. As far as his mirrors go, though, there is no hard proof that they existed. However, modern tests have shown that it is possible. It should be said, though, that it would take a long, long time, and you would need perfect weather conditions during a battle for this to actually work. Since Syracuse faces east towards the sea, the only time it would actually be a good time to use the mirrors would be if the Romans attacked with ships in the morning. 
also, why not just use flaming arrows or something like that? It's It just seems overly complicated just to burn some ships. So, <laughs> anything to add before we rank this? Well, yes. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I would. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the idea behind the whole using mirrors thing like I, I i was reading on it and the way it was described it seemed a little bit not as badass as i thought it was <laughs> it's just it's just the um, it was all smoke the, and mirrors <laughs> the reflection of of the sun being directed to the to the ships and it's like oh okay at least according to how it was described mm-hmm. um yeah it's like nothing like overly like supernatural or anything like that it's just reflecting sunlight yeah there's this npr article well i guess it was a story but i'm reading the transcript where this mit professor david wallace wanted to test out the myth and he claims that he was able to set a ship on fire using the technique although they didn't use they 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 had modern equipment obviously so it wasn't mm-hmm. quite like the stuff they had back then. And he got together with the crew of the Mythbusters to redo it. Oh, okay. And that's how the article ends. <laughs> Does it doesn't. Oh. I don't know if this <laughs> the end. was ever filmed <laughs> or what came of that. But it uh, brought me to this Wikipedia article that essentially says that Archimedes. Was supposed uh, supposedly incinerated the Roman fleet using instead of a mirror they call it a burning glass, mm-hmm. which is essentially what we talk what you m- mentioned burning ants with the with the magnifying glass. Burning glasses was a, actually a common thing back then. It the the whole Archimedes mirror doesn't seem it, it's not so far fetched and it's and it. It's not like something he invented. Mm-hmm. It's th- b- th- these burning glasses are things that they've already had, at least. <laughs> I I'll read to you this uh, uh, entry from Wikipedia. Pliny the Elder. <laughs> oh known... <laughs> no no. <laughs> Pliny the Elder noted the use of glass vases filled with water. <laughs> To create create a heat intense enough to ignite clothing, as well as convex lenses that were used to cauterize wounds. My my world is crashing down upon me. Pliny the Elder is talking about using the Bassano vase as an Archimedes mirror. (laughs) This is pure coincidence. I'm not going to tie this in with the Bassano vase, but that was pretty awesome that I just saw that sentence. Um, we're going to take a little sidestep here and learn about William Bates. Have you heard of this man? William Horatio uh, Bates. He was a... Is he a poet? No, he was an ophthalmologist and physician. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Way off. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He, uh, he developed this thing called the Bates Method. What a terrible name, but the Bates Method <laughs> for better... Ooh, for better Bates I- Method is so good. <laughs> the Bates method for better eyesight. So he believed that through a series of um, manipulating your eyes with your hands, um, eye exercises, visualization techniques, and and uh, 
other things, you can make your eyesight better and eliminate the need for wearing glasses. One of those oh, things. Okay. One of those things was staring at the sun. Oh no, William Bates. <laughs> so, so you can see that he was probably considered a quack. Um, was a was he in the late eighteen hundreds? <laughs> it was. Well, he was born in the eighteen hundreds, and he oh, God. he died in nineteen thirty one. Oh, so. Maybe he had some leftover knowledge from the 1800s. (laughs) Dinosaurs told him to do it. Yeah. So he wrote a book called Perfect Sight Without Glasses, where he details all of the different methods for perfecting your eyesight. What I find interesting is that this man has essentially been laughed at and disparaged and and essentially uh, considered a, a quack. You know, come on. I feel like there's a there's a big butt coming. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to to do what with my hands and my eyes? You want me to visualize? Like what? I don't understand. Stare at the sun? Are you mad? <laughs> Get out of here, Bates. <laughs> well, I'm gonna si- take another sidestep here. That book, uh, Perfect Sight Without Glasses, that William Bates wrote, was written in 1920. In 1960, the first laser was built. Okay? So what is a laser? A laser, simply put, is a focused beam of light. Okay? In the 1950s, so before the first laser, the microkeratome and keratomilusis technique were developed in Bogota, Colombia, by a Spanish ophthalmologist named Jose Barraquer. So those techniques were essentially uh, some kind of thin cuts in the cornea or maybe I misread it, but something in the eye for essentially allowing you to change the shape of the cornea, you know, for fixing eye issues. In 1980, Rangswami Srinivasan at the IBM Research Laboratory discovered that an ultraviolet excimer laser could etch living tissue with precision and with no thermal damage to the surrounding area. So, in other words, he found a way to cut tissue with a laser and not produce any heat damage, right? And this was then later patented in 1989, the first human Visix, V-I-S-X, refractive laser eye surgery was performed. And then this stuff was uh, uh, patented. And then the technique known as LASIK was Mm -hmm. implemented in 1989 in the U.S. after its successful application elsewhere. So what am I getting at? So LASIK performs eye surgery... So that it can uh, fix your eyes so that you can, I guess, either reduce the need of glasses or eliminate the need of glasses using lasers, uh, laser focused beam of light to make cuts based on those techniques developed by the Colombian ophthalmologist. So what am I trying to get at here? In that book, William Bates wrote Perfect Sight Without Glasses. He wrote in one of the chapters, specifically talking about staring at the sun, he says, Focusing the rays of the sun upon the eye of a patient by means of a burning glass. (sighs) 
So, so who wants to do he, eye surgery using the sun? Well, with a burning glass. He inadvertently describes laser eye surgery here before lasers existed, mm-hmm. before the techniques have come out, in a book about perfecting your eyesight. And this man gets no credit absolutely whatsoever? Come on! It's a conspiracy against William Bates because of his quackery methods that this one viable idea is not even listed in the history of LASIK. I rest my case. William Bates, the reincarnation of Archimedes. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting, though, that's how most likely because of all of his stupid other things that he talked about, (laughs) just like said, no, you're you're out of the conversation here, Bates. Um. And a lot of that it's can be commonplace, really, even today. One stupid thing that you say now can really screw up your future for years and years and years. And then people remember. <laughs> they especially, remember especially, everything. Especially if you put it out on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know how many people have been uh, taken down for a Twitter post that they made. Uh, seven years ago and uh somebody digs through the past and is like "Ooh, this looks spicy and then they retweet it out and then everything falls apart yep mm-hmm. so there you have it william bates inventor of laser eye surgery i said it here using the sun and possibly an archimedes mirror <laughs> yes so how about the rubric of power we'll see if the mirror can do any better than the vase it's a household object uh mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. of cracking cryptids today how about the lore of the mirror angel as for the lore um i think i think the whole idea of archimedes using mirrors to set a a ship on on fire i think they were well-meaning i think these people just were excited that archimedes was a brilliant mathematician and probably used fire cannons and it just Mm -hmm. wanted to spice up the story a little bit Mm mm-hmm I give it a two. Two. I think this, like, inadvertently was a good contrast to the Bassano vase, simply because, and this affects, I think, the the lower score in my book for the mirror, is that this story, and or this item, is completely attached to a real-life person in an event that 100% happened. So there yep. really isn't much room to embellish or to tack on some grandiose claim that can't be verified. There isn't really much to build on besides the siege itself, and then it just boils down to if he actually made the mirror or not. And I think the idea of a heat ray, you know, 2,200 years ago is badass, but then the more that you look into it, it's like, eh, I I guess it's cool, but there seems to be other things that could have been better used to serve in, in defending Syracuse from the Romans. And then also looking at the historical record and descriptions of the siege it was never once mentioned that a heat ray or a mirror or anything was used. In fact, historians were already chronicling the siege as early as 10 years after it happened, with access to people and having interviews with people that were there, that lived the siege. And it was never mentioned at all of anything like Archimedes' mirrors being used. And I feel like that would have been something that would have been talked about. Like, who wouldn't want to talk about the friggin' heat rays that were used to burn down ships. Yeah. And I found that the first time it was ever mentioned was 700 years later. So it almost was like this story that built up over time. 
And it was, I think it was a Greek writer that actually wrote about it 700 years later. And it was more of just like a, uh, attributing, um, Archimedes name to a, a heat ray like device. So yeah. I ended up giving it a one and a half. Okay. I did think it was a, a neat, a neat little contrast. Bassano vase, no names whatsoever attached. <laughs> so you can just make up as much shit as you want about that one. Yeah. Archimedes mirror, eh, siege of Syracuse happened. Uh, Punic Wars that happened, so there isn't much to say about like the awesomeness of it, because I mean Archimedes was real, and <laughs> either he made the mirror or not. <laughs> How about the properties of the mirror? So for these next ones, I essentially go by based on the stories and not the truth of it all, right? Mm-hmm. So the properties of the mirror, a, a heat ray. You just focus the sun's rays into the direction you want, and you just blow up everything. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. sounds, that sounds like a three to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So either for me, it was either like a mirror or a series of mirrors or shields polished to reflect the sunlight. And I've said this before, and I think it still stands. It's not cursed, so that's good. <laughs> and however, though, there's nothing supernatural or overly special about it besides harnessing the insane power of the sun in my book that's just adequate a two (laughs) how about the functionality of archimedes mirror i think um functionality that this one i think takes a hit because the idea is that it's a a mirror to set ships on fire i mean i don't even know how big it has to be but it would seem a bit unwieldy and it's as mm-hmm. you've said before why not just use like fire arrows or something yeah <laughs> i mean it's cool but come on <laughs> come on archimedes you're your mathematician this is the best you could come up with mm-hmm. a giant reflective thing not not a dodecahedron that shoots rays out of it <laughs> <laughs> come on you're trying to sh- Portable version was a dodecahedron. You're, you're trying to show up the Romans, man. They hate you guys, and this is what you come up with a mirror, please. And 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 according to the to the internet, it's not even like the mirrors that we have now. It's like a bronze mirror, so it's not even as mm-hmm. effective. Yeah, it's just a polished piece of metal. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this gets a two point five. I was in the same spot. Functionality, simply a weapon for war. It's a neato invention, but it isn't perfect because it 100% relies on the weather and the time of the day that the other party's attacking. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you are completely restricted to the confines of the sun when using this thing. Um, so easy way around it: attack at night. <laughs> the the mirror is useless. <laughs> yeah. So that limits its potential. So I gave it a, a two and a half. How about the craftsmanship? of old Archimedes and his gnarled old hands. The craftsmanship. I mean, I don't think there's no, this is, uh, you know, it happened. The, the people, the events happened. The, the person's real, but the actual mirror itself, like, I don't know what it looks like, but it's just going to be a mirror anyways. I don't think it's going to be something ornate. It's going to have to be, yeah. uh, like, um, I don't know the term, but it's, it can't have any designs on it because you want the reflection to be just right mm-hmm. and you don't want it to bounce off in a different angle. Yeah, it's not going to be some ornate super device. It's going to be simple. <laughs> yeah. So I just, you know, it's adequate, a two. 
everything that I found, everything that I read and researched, nothing at all reported about being some sort of grand design. It's just a parabolic reflector. Some theories were that it was just polished shields. So uh, another functionality of a different weapon or item being used to do something else. So I don't know. It's, it's nothing special. But I do know that if I were inside the walls of Syracuse and I saw this going on and be like, so we're relying on these to keep us alive? Nah, I'm out. <laughs> we're going to die. So I ended up just giving it a two for craftsmanship. Adequate. Uh, still better than a base. Desirability. So you mentioned this to me. I think it was off mic some time ago that I tend to trade the, oh, the yeah. last curio for this latest thing. And, and I'm going to tell you right now that this object is no exception. I am willing to give up all my Roman dodecahedrons for <laughs> an Archimedes, Archimedes mirror. <laughs> and I don't want that damn base. <laughs> they can keep it buried. Yeah. Uh, four. Whoa. Wow. Yep. The, my thoughts were that clearly the Romans didn't want them after <laughs> Archimedes was killed as this just didn't become a commonplace thing in the world after. And it didn't help in the grand scheme of the siege. All it did is just it shows us Rome was just better than the Greeks, Angel. And this is just the cherry on top for the season. Archimedes, he wasn't enough. Pliny the Elder's better. <laughs> so I gave it a one. What does your uh, score add up to? I got a 13 and a half. Oh, my God. 13 and a half? Mine added up to a 9. So that puts the Archimedes mirror at 11.25. Whoa. Not a bad score. Way higher than I thought. I thought he would be like like a 9.5 or a 10 at the highest. So now the Archimedes mirror has taken a third place spot. Oh, no. So we've got uh, crystal skulls at no, the top. No, no, It's a fourth, fourth, Ooh, fourth, fourth okay. place. Yeah. yeah, at the top we have crystal skull. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a hard, hard thing to to jump past those goals. And then it's the dodecahedron. Mm -hmm. And then the cursed paintings. And then way, 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 way down there, the Bassano base where it's going to stay. <laughs> oh, let's hope. <laughs> buried, buried down there. Mm -hmm, buried in its lead case. Any <laughs> final things to say about uh, Archimedes near before we put the put the tablecloth over it so it doesn't collect <laughs> dust and put it in the attic i just I, it's interesting the the whole william bates thing i came upon it and i was just reading the the wikipedia entry just mentions oh william bates says a focused uh rays from a burning glass into your eye and i just immediately thought that sounds like eye laser surgery <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at the history of laser eye surgery, and I'm like, this stuff wasn't even around in the 20s. Like, this, this, it's like this man, like this ophthalmologist physician, was just throwing out all kinds of ideas, and then one of them finally sticks. But it, it, you know, nobody's gonna listen to him at that point. You know who's feeding him those ideas? <laughs> is it, is it Akbar? A AJ Akbar <laughs> and AJ. Jehoshaphat. <laughs> They, they're like damn it you you did it wrong <laughs> <laughs> i have no evidence to prove it wasn't them <laughs> he was communicating through a crystal skull 
there were some unaccounted ones in the 20s so yep, yep. that was that was a, around when the the lady was put down the the scorpion pit uh by her dad and pulled out the skull yep. so dang he could have had one he probably did he probably did i could especially for eye doctor like do little eye experiments on the skull it works perfect yes Oh my God, was was William Bates a Crystal Skull owner? And if we had Akbar and Jehoshaphat, they could have communicated with the Skull to let them to let Bates know if his um, experiments were working. So, <laughs> my God, all this does is make the Crystal Skulls higher. <laughs> Add a point, yes. a point for Crystal Skulls. <laughs> Um, I, I don't think I have much more to add for Archimedes and his mirror. Cool dude. He loved his spirals and his spheres. He loved his math. He, he, he died doing what he loved math. So <laughs> just don't disturb his circles. That's all he wanted. And then he died. Good on you, Archimedes. There's <laughs> just a guy trying to retire, gets caught in a siege for two years and eight months by the Romans. It happens. It happens. You can't, can't foresee that coming. Thank you for joining us in another fun-filled episode of Cracking Cryptids and Curios. Hopefully you learned something about a stupid vase and Archimedes mirror that uh, will live on with you forever. And uh, join us next time as we investigate the entity known as the Squonk, a mythical creature supposedly lives in Pennsylvania. And last week, Angel, we talked about the Stakini, the entity that rips your heart out through your throat. I think the Squonk is going to be the one that steals everybody's heart because it's just so sad. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Wasn't wasn't last didn't last season have a, a a little entity that was stealing our heart? I can't remember who it was. Last season? Um Yeah. I don't know if it Oh, no. I, oh no. That was this uh Suchinoko. That was this season. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> Suchinoko has some competition for our hearts. Yep. Oh, it sure no. does. See how the squonk does then. <laughs> and as usual, you can join us <laughs> on our social media by following us at Cracking Curios on Twitter, messaging us, tweeting at us with hashtag Cracked Cryptids. And if you have any questions on these creatures or curios, uh, make sure to at Carl Shooker as well. Believe me, believe us. He will respond. Yeah, we got we got a response from Dr. Carl Shooker. We asked him about the article in last week's episode about the big cats uh, killing the sheep and lambs and all sorts of farm animals. And he just said, um, you know, it's difficult to speculate. He hasn't seen much about the detail of the accounts uh, concerning the nature of the attacks. So good on you, Dr. Shooker. You didn't just come out and say it was a cryptid or anything like that. So respect very, to him. Very diplomatic response mm-hmm. from him. And you can also uh, follow us on Instagram at Cracking Cryptids. Send us an email at Cracking Cryptids and Curios at gmail.com. I live on a boat with the Bassano vase and Archimedes mirror. God. And find that I think best when I can do so alone offshore. I become easily enwrapped and in that happy state lose sight of the larger environment. It ceases to environ me. It becomes an extension of me 
and I cannot smell myself. This has been an I am actually traveling back into time production. This is my sad song. <laughs>